stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Canada's discriminatory none is too many policy of the time failed those desperate for safety and refuge from persecution. To acknowledge this difficult truth, learn from this story, and continue to fight against anti-Semitism every day, I look forward to offering a formal apology on the floor of this House. All right, friends. Well, that was uh, the Prime Minister yesterday on the floor of the House of Commons essentially apologizing, but saying that he will be making a more formal apology for Canada turning away Jewish refugees who were fleeing the Holocaust in 1939. Now, if you look at that in in its context on its own, and perhaps an apology is appropriate. What's interesting, though, is that the prime minister so far in his tenure has made a real point of issuing all kinds of different apologies. That I stand here today and say... We were wrong. We apologize. I am sorry. We are sorry. I humbly stand before you to offer a long overdue apology. The apology is no less true and no less timely. The government of Canada sincerely apologizes and asks the forgiveness of the Aboriginal peoples of this country for failing them so profoundly. For that and for every regrettable consequence that followed, we are sorry. And neither should the Tsukotin people continue to wait for an apology that is long, long overdue. All right, so apologies there to Canada's Aboriginal community, LGBTQ community, the 1914 Komagata Maru incident. And you can look at each of those and say perhaps an apology is warranted. But at what point do these apologies start to lose their meaning? And is this something that we do a lot more of in Canada? Then in other countries? Well, joining us uh, is someone who has uh, tracked all of this, in fact, for quite some time. Uh, Rhoda Howard Hassman is Professor at Wilfrid Laurier University, Canada Research Chair in International Human Rights, also a fellow of the Royal Society of Canada. Uh, Professor, thank you for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's interesting because one can point to examples. There was uh, Ronald Reagan's apology to Japanese Americans, the Queen's apology to, to um, those in Ireland. But it seems as though we do a lot more of this in Canada. Is, is that accurate? I haven't done a, you know, a quantitative survey, but I think uh, it would be all right now to say that Canada is sort of the apology capital of the world at the moment. And I think that has to do with uh, the current prime minister, uh, who, in my personal opinion, genuinely does feel sorry for these kinds of things. Other countries, however, may be more concerned about legal liabilities if they apologize. So, for example, the British have been careful to regret the slave trade, but not to apologize for it. And th- that's, yeah, so that, that legal liabilities may be less of a, a concern here, less of an issue here? I don't know the law, but it, it could be the case. Yeah, would seem that way. How, can we, how far back do we have to go to find what might be the beginning of this era, or what we can point to maybe as the first kind of political apology for historic wrongdoing? Do we know? Well, I would say perhaps when uh, the German Chancellor, Willy Brandt, 
fell on his knees uh, before a memorial to the Warsaw Ghetto around, I think it was 1970. So that was a symbolic apology, and at the time it was extremely powerful because it was only 25 years after the Holocaust had ended. Other apologies are coming much later than you might think they would. I mean, why did it take over 40 years for Canada to apologize to Japanese Canadians, many of whom were citizens, for interning them during World War II? So it depends on who organizes, how much influence those people have. It also depends on uh, whether they can make a direct link between the people they want the apology from and the incident that happened, such as Canada not accepting this shipload of Jewish refugees. And I think it depends also on, shall we say, the temper of the times and whether populations at large think that it's now um, valuable to apologize for past wrongs. Right. What are we hoping to achieve when we do this? Well, I don't... I I think that in the case of indigenous people, for example, it's definitely hoping to achieve reconciliation. Yeah. Although the government has not apologized for all the many, many wrongdoings to uh, indigenous peoples. It's apologized for the residential schools, but not for theft of their land not for the extremely high rates of incarceration of uh, indigenous peoples in our prisons now, not for the abysmal educational uh, facilities on reserves, and so on. So a lot of the stuff that's going on now, the government is not apologizing for. Um, Same thing, Canada has never apologized to people of African descent, even though we had slavery here until 1833, And we had a lot of legal discrimination against uh, people of African descent until fairly recently. Well, and it might not not surprise us then that the prime minister eventually gets around to all of that. He seems to be operating on a premise that once you've established the precedent that you need to apologize to this group, it then seems almost like a snub if you don't apologize to to that group. Well, that might be um, part of the reason. Another thing that happens, though, is that sometimes particular incidents are what we call condensation points. They condense the whole um, experience. So Canada had systemic discrimination against Jews until the 60s. Not by law, but just by by practice. Mm -hmm. But not letting these 907 refugees in in 1939 sort of condenses the whole thing. Similarly, Canada had racial racially biased immigration policies till the 60s. So the, the apology for the Kobagatu Maro incident is a sort of condensation of all that discrimination against people of, of Indian background or South Asian background. So you have to find something that's easy to apologize for. There's a direct link between who did it and what happened, and, and people can recognize it and understand it. Right. And, and is that... Is that more easy to convey to people? Are people maybe more likely to to understand and appreciate what the the achievement is? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. If the Prime Minister were going to stand up and say, I apologize to every Canadian of African descent, then a lot of people would be saying, what's the problem here? It's been, you know, two and a half centuries, or sorry, almost two centuries since slavery. Lots of African Canadians do very well. Lots of immigrants from Africa are doctors and engineers. What's the problem? 
But if you have a particular incident, then you can apologize for it. So the mayor of Halifax has apologized, for example, for destroying the Africville uh, community of African Canadians in the late 1960s in order to build an expressway. Does it get to a point, do you think, where it starts to lose its impact if the the prime minister is going to apologize for every conceivable historic wrong? Does it does it lose that that punch that it might have had, you know, initially? Well, it depends on who's observing it. Uh, members of some communities who that he hasn't apologized to, like the LGBT community that he just apologized to for discrimination after that was made illegal in Canada. They're probably saying it's about time, or many of them are saying it's about time. Other people observing might say, well, I'm getting tired of this. Canada's a great country now. Let's, as, let's forget the past. Let's just look at what the country's like now. You know, we're, many of us are very lucky to live here instead of wherever we might have fled from. So just get on with it. Well, I mean, sure. Canada, the U.S., the U.K., other countries. I mean, we have ugly and dark chapters of our history. But, I mean, just because there's not a formal apology doesn't necessarily imply that that we embrace that history or that we're not ashamed of that history. Does it need to be stated on the record that, yes, Canada did this? And obviously, in today's context, we look at that with, with great shame. I don't know if it needs to be stated or not. Part of this is political. Mm-hmm. Part of this may be uh, whose votes you're trying to get. So Prime Minister Harper made a sort of vague apology about the Komagatu Maru uh, at a <clears throat> gathering of Indo-Canadians in 2008. Possibly he was trying to increase his share of the immigrant vote. Um, possibly there are people pressuring behind the scenes who want an apology or up front who want an apology. And the government responds to that. So there can be there can be pragmatic electoral kinds of uh, issues here as well. Well, yes, I think there often is. But as you say, for these these groups, that it may mean a lot to hear that, and it may go beyond that. That it's one thing to say we regret what happened in the past, but does it lead to to action today? Is there an attempt to to make good on that? Is there an attempt to to build new relationships? I mean, an apology uh, is is just that, right? Well, I think it's a lot easier when you know that it's never going to be repeated. So one of the aspects of any sincere apology is that you're not going to repeat it. So we know we're not going to repeat residential schools for Indigenous Canadians. We know we're never going to return or refuse a boatload of at least of Jewish refugees. So we can apologize for that. But how does the government apologize for what else it's doing to Indigenous Canadians? It can't say we'll never do this again. It's doing it right now. So it, it's easy when it's slavery. We don't have slavery anymore, right. and so on. Even when we get boatloads of Sikhs or Tamils, we make some effort to process them as potential refugees, although there have been instances where Western governments, and still are, where Western governments prefer to uh, intercept these boatloads of refugees at sea and turn them back. Well, some interesting issues. I'll leave it there. Professor, thank you for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. You're welcome. Take care. Uh, That is uh, Rhoda Howard Hassman of Wilfrid Laurier University, also a fellow with the Royal Society of Canada. So it says Canada seems to be the apology capital of the world at the moment, and it's at the point where it starts to maybe get a little ridiculous. Uh, And look, this prime minister has a reputation for saying sorry. A lot. Here's from two years ago. John Oliver on HBO 
noticing how often the prime minister says sorry. I admit I came uh, in physical contact uh, with uh, uh, a number of members as I extended my arm in, uh, including uh, someone behind me who I did not see. If anyone feels that they were uh, 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 impacted uh, by my actions, I completely apologize. Uh, I, it's not my intention to hurt anyone. It certainly wasn't. It is my intention to get uh, this vote done. Wow stammering out an apology that goes on to receive a standing ovation. <laughs> that clip may as well just be the new Canadian national anthem. <laughs> but, but the members of the opposition were not ready to accept Trudeau's apology. And that sort of outrage led Trudeau to issue a second apology on the House floor, followed by a third apology at an event celebrating the official apology he'd made for the 1914 Komagata Maru incident, at which he, and this is true, apologised because his elbowing might take away a little bit in the news tomorrow from the apology that he was supposed to be celebrating. And when he returned to the House of Commons the next morning, you'll never guess what he did. I am uh, apologising and uh, asking uh, for uh, members to understand how contrite and how uh, regretful I am uh, with my behavior. Oh, for sake, enough! Enough! There may be no clearer difference between the United States and Canada than the fact that in the US, presidential candidates write books called No Apology, <laughs> while in Canada, Trudeau may be expected to spend the remainder of his term in office apologizing for the existence of his arm wherever he goes. So is it to the point now where Canadians just roll their eyes when the prime minister starts saying we apologize for? Do we even hear what other words come out of his mouth? Or is there still a sense of, wow, yeah, we need to, to come to grips with this part of our history. We need to rectify this. We need to make it right. That apology means something. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.